0: Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power arouses,
1: Welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 45. I'm your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello! It's time to
0: talk about Star Trek.
1: Yeah! Star Trek's happening, we're halfway through season two. Uh, what a momentous, what a season, what a season.
0: <laughs> what a season, what a season. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday!
1: <laughs> uh, I watch them on Friday. Uh, I watch them on Friday as well. Fair enough.
0: Wake it's extremely late
1: when you uh, when they come out for you.
0: Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm actually sleeping through their release, yeah. so I just wake up and watch them, yep. uh, which is the best way to go. Yes. Um,
1: any Star Trek news? They announced the director of the first episode of Picard, so that's nice.
0: Oh, what is the news? I know the news is they've got season three, which was all but confirmed at this point anyway.
1: Yes, they've officially announced Season 3. They're hard at work on it, which they've basically been saying, we're working on Season 3. They haven't said anything, but we're totally working on Season 3.
0: Yeah, that wasn't um, official, but they, they did basically announce a while ago that uh, Kurtzman had a five-year, which will probably end up being more like a two-to-three-year, I assume, given the corporate cycles, uh, just area to go just completely wild with the Star Trek bullshit.
1: Yes, uh, so Hanel Culpepper, who directed Vaulting Ambition in Season 1, is directing the Card pilot. Okay. Um, uh, she's the first woman to direct a, the first episode of a Star Trek show, which is not surprising. That's cool,
0: I'm, I'm excited for that one. Um, which one is Vaulting Ambition?
1: Look. That's the one with the Emperor. Like, oh, that's right. all, that's like, Terran Empire show stuff, yes.
0: Good, um, good, 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 good. That was
1: a good upside. Uh... Speaking of idiosyncratic director choices, this episode had a bunch of amazing, like Tintin Whites. level dissolves. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah, Where everything would fade to the next thing, but the other thing would still be on screen. It's,
1: um, it's. A, I'll take this. Like, this is hokey as shit, but it's a thousand times better than the, the shaky spinning cam- cameras and <laughs> shaky cams. Yes, I was um, specifically t- shouting out the sh- spinning cameras of last episode, which were just bad.
0: They were just so, that that first scene where they were talking and just. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, All the way around him. It was amazing. Yeah. Better than bad. Way. If
1: if the camera went whoa 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 as it was going around them, that would be pretty good <laughs> though. It
0: would. unless uh, it uh, doesn't, it just kinda sucks.
1: We should just get into this episode. Uh this is episode seven, it's called Light and Shadows. It aired the twentieth of February twenty nineteen. It's teleplay by Ted Sullivan, story by Ted Sullivan and Vaughn Wilmot, directed by Marta Cunningham. Jackson, what are you doing that's making so much noise?
0: Uh I dropped the thing, I'll mute it. Oh I can't <laughs> shit. You're so, well, I guess I just made some noise. Sorry about yeah. that. I dropped a thing.
1: Uh, this takes place in the year 2257, still a always, just the endless year. Because of time travel, it could always be 2257 when Discovery takes <laughs> place. There are
0: lines in this episode indicating how long it has been since the last three episodes.
1: Uh, is there? I thought it was like there's been zero time because they're just no, around camera. No, she talks
0: about how long it's been since she's seen her mum. And that was four episode, three episodes ago.
1: Uh hmm. how long did she say did she say
0: she she didn't the, say but she's been it's been a while i need to go see her
1: okay cuz i but, assumed it was like about 5 days
0: the so. other stuff plays like that because it's right after the camera stuff which was right after the like the has the timelines don't line up at all but she says that
1: <laughs> uh i don't think this is a clue this is not season 1 thankfully
0: it's not a clue it's just very funny <laughs>
1: She goes there, and it's uh, been 50 years, and like, Discovery's been around Kaminar for decades.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every time
1: I say Kaminar, I, my brain goes, wait, did you mean Camino?" I'm like, no, I did not mean Camino." It's just okay. log jammed they, they, forever.
0: They, they've left. At the end of this episode, they're gone, and no one will ever mention Kaminar ever again.
1: I hope that's true. God, I hope that's true. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, we did it. Not not visible in this episode, Saru's head teeth, which uh, is a real shame, honestly.
0: Oh, you think he just have uh, teeth coming out of his neck at all times?
1: I think, I think every time he would have, like, padded his threat ganglia, his head teeth should just come out, you know, threat display.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Just, uh oh.
1: I like it because clearly uh, Doug Jones was like, This is a stupid affectation. Can we just not do this anymore? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it was right. a stupid affectation. They shouldn't have done it anymore. I
0: pat my neck every time. Yeah, every, every
1: time something happens, he just lightly touches the back of his skull.
0: What if all of the content of Troy going, I think they're doing the thing they said they're doing, but communicated entirely through someone patting their neck every 10 minutes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Saru's, uh,
1: Saru's already been treated better than Troy And he has head teeth
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's been oh, He sure has
1: yeah. Check some what happens in this time. episode
0: A bunch of bullshit uh, There are two main plots I will uh, talk about them separately Because they never intersect
1: Yes, Uh, do you want to talk about the You know what, Uh, let's split this up, whatever I- I'm willing to, I want to do the Pike stuff Because I know you want to do the Spock stuff
0: Okay, well, um I will do this box up then. So the episode begins. Uh, Discovery is st- staying around uh, Kamina for a while to, to collect readings on things uh, that doesn't matter. Um, but the point is, they're doing some things there, and uh, Burnham's like, yo, I would like some personal leave uh, to go uh, and see uh, Sarek, uh, and to go try to talk to my mother, uh, and go to Vulcan, and go solve where Spock is. Uh, and um, uh, Pike's like, hmm. Uh, but she convinces him because, you know, uh second thirty looking as well, so uh if she can find him first, that's gonna be a win. Um, <laughs> uh, she goes to Vulcan and talks to Amanda, who is just immediately knows where Spock is. Uh and wears her down after she's like, No, I'm if I hand her over to you, that's the same thing as handing over handing her over to the uh, Handing him over to the cops, and uh, Burnham's like, "No, it's not. I'll protect him." Uh, spoilers for the end of the episode: she she does eventually, but she does also hand him over to the cops.
1: Uh, <laughs> I so mean, Amanda-, Amanda literally goes diplomatic immunity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amanda goes diplomatic immunity. So yes, the actual bulk of the episode is once uh, um, Amanda reveals to Burnham where uh, Spock is, which is inside a like ancient Vulcan chamber uh, where Sarah can't like psychically communicate with him. Uh, yeah, there were and-
1: stones are kept.
0: It's my contrast, and uh, Sarek has been spending the like last few months apparently kneeling down in permanent meditation, reaching out to Spock. Uh, and it's not, he no,
1: no, him. he does that on his off time because she says he's been like this for hours. So I assume when he's done being an ambassador, he comes home and meditates for a but, bunch
0: yeah, of time. Yeah, I didn't mean that he's been, um, permanently sitting there for months, but he has been like, Well, I've done with work for today, time to kneel. And reach out to my son.
1: I mean, Burnham treats it basically as if he's been doing that, which is hilarious, because she literally <laughs> says he's been like this for hours. Like, this is just what he's doing on a Saturday afternoon. Which, big yeah. same, honestly, I also <laughs> want to lay in bed all day on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah.
0: And then, um, but, you know, he's in there. He's next to the stones, uh And Burnham uh, convinces Amanda to let her go there. She tries to keep from Sarek, but Sarek just follows them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <'Cause laughs> he's a genius, apparently. Uh, and they all have a big argument about what to do with Spock. Um, Spock is there, and it's, he's there, it's just Spock. Spock is there, the most unceremonious entrance for Spock, the way it was always going to go, It's Spock's just here now.
1: I mean, um, he's mumbling to himself and scratching things on the walls.
0: Yes, he's mumbling to himself, scratching things on the walls, writing a number that is clearly coordinates for something, uh, but they, know they don't match up to any coordinates for something, and we'll find out why that is in a very dumb, imaginative you think to Google it backwards way. Um, but... Uh, Amanda's like, no, no one can take him. Sarek's like, you can't use my diplomatic immunity to uh, protect my son. Surely, if he's done nothing wrong, the cops will be nice to him and he will be unharmed because Sarek is an idiot. Uh, and they, th- there's a lot of stuff that happens in the scene revolving around um, Spock's history uh, he had, like, a learning disability as a Vulcan, because uh, he's got too much emotion. He's got just a little too much emotion, and he can't focus, uh, and he's struggling a lot. Um, and Amanda reveals that, like, no, I have read him books that you told me not to. I gave him like the humanity he needed to understand himself, uh, and that's why Spock is how he is, and I love him so much, and I will always protect him. And um, then Sarah is like, that's cool, uh, I think you should take him to Section 31 now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he was like, "Look, he's already like basically a vegetable, and if we don't take a section 31, Burnham's going to get run out of Starfleet on a rail, and I'm going to watch out for both my children. Remember the other child we have, the one that's standing in this room, also? Yeah, <laughs> I wonder. I-, I wonder what efforts Sarek is taking to look after Cyborg is the real question. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: all I can think during this entire because Amanda scene. doesn't
1: care because it's not her kid, but
0: not her kid. But he's, he's like, would you have left Vulcan for me? And I'm like, he was, he did. He was like shacking up with Vulcan princes before this. you got to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Always what, on his <laughs> bullshit. What, what Sarek be doing. Um, but this seems fantastic. We'll talk about it uh, later. But the way they'll argue about uh, Vulcans and humanity and Spock and the things it does for Spock's character. I, I love it a lot. Um, but the episode goes on. Uh, Burnham takes Spock to second 31. Uh they are like we're going to use this humane device we have here this big red glowing device and everything's gonna be fine and then you'll see him later and we- he'll be fixed and everything will be fine and you should just leave you should just leave this weird creepy room yeah it's just it's just it's
1: just a room where he's strapped down and they're gonna put a giant metal clamp on his head <laughs> nothing could <laughs> go nothing wrong
0: That can happen but um, you should just go you don't have permission to be here anyway because uh, the doctor's
1: wearing the Star Trek 09 like clear murder <laughs> <Yes>! smock <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he, Leland's like it's fine everything's fine this is all within regulations we'll see you at starbase um and Barnum's like um mm, sure uh, because she's a you know she's an idiot dumbass it was, it was a <laughs> yes. uh, and then one of the best twists in the episode happens uh and uh, uh walks out and is like yo, they're not going to... Um, that They're going to break his mind to get the information. Obviously, it's a big metal clamp. Obviously, you moron. By the way, uh, I've turned off the cameras. When they come back on, you're going to fight me, overpower me, and kill, uh, Like uh, save Spock and uh, leave the ship. And she's like, why would you do that? And George is like, duh, because I want to fuck Leland over. What, are you an idiot? <laughs> uh, and it's an incredibly cool fight scene. She does that. Uh, she takes Spock. She finds out in the shuttle that they've escaped him Which it's, It can't be a shuttle because this has like super warp capabilities So I assume it's like a runabout But it's in the Runabouts shuttle Runabouts don't
1: exist in this era, yes, it's yeah. all very confusing But
0: I'm like, this is the thing I'm hung up on Because the scene ends with her figuring out what the um, Numbers mean And they are a reverse coordinates for Oh, what do the numbers four. mean? What <laughs> do the numbers mean? They mean ta- The numbers mean Talos 4
1: Yes, but backwards Gosh. because he's through the looking glass <laughs> Yes
0: we only had the one metaphor. We got to make it work for everything. Yes. Uh, and um, that's the uh, that's the end of the episode. They go fly off to Talos Four.
1: Uh, yeah, if you don't know what Talos Four is, you should really watch the Cage before next week. I think yes, that'd probably, probably serve you. Watch
0: the Cage before next week um, um. to understand what Talos Four is because it's an it's important Star Trek place. Yep. This, of course, means that
1: Spock is just keeps, st- like, stays going to Talos 4. <laughs> like, in the menagerie, when he recommends, let's go to Talos 4, that's just his go to place when someone's got problems.
0: <laughs> it is. I mean, this you is going to happen again. You
1: know, no, I I just think it's funny that now Spock Spock has promised to never return to Talos 4, probably twice, and refused <laughs> <laughs> to do
0: so. Because oh, you've seen the menagerie, right?
1: uh a long time ago i haven't re- revisited it in the modern era
0: you remember how the menagerie ends
1: uh i assume it's he promises to never go there again
0: no wait you don't you don't know the end of the menagerie no. okay no 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 okay. i don't remember so, um i'm gonna should go watch the episodes but we're gonna spoil them if you haven't uh the first episode the cage uh is the original part of star trek and it happened before this in the timeline uh and the telosians are these this species that can create illusions and they're keeping everyone in these uh, cages but they're like giving them the illusion of paradise very 60s metaphor yeah uh, uh what if you could live in this cage forever but it was perfect oh wouldn't that be good uh, and they go no we must live in reality um and that's the end they they say that and they promise never to mention it again and they leave uh, uh, number but, number
1: 1 fires a giant laser at a door it's really cool it's
0: really cool <laughs> uh 10 years later uh yes. Christopher Pike has a big accident and becomes like completely immobile. Uh and you know he's completely injured, uh can't speak, can't talk, can only communicate through a couple of flashing lights on a wheelchair and it's like you know what that illusion life sounds really good right now and just yes. goes back to Talos 4 and lives yes. f- permanently in his vegetable form but forever in a like a holodeck in the Talosian yes. holodeck and that's how he lives. That's that's Pike's inevitable end point. That's where he's going.
1: I know, but I assume that everyone promised to not come back once they left him there. Presumably. Um,
0: But I I need to... uh...
1: No, I knew the part where they leave Pike there.
0: Okay. You you talked around No, no, no. no. But
1: I assume that their agreement with the Talosians was this one time we're going to bring him back, but then we will leave you alone forever.
0: uh, It played like that. Because it was like, we're returning him to you. You wanted him. Now he wants to be here. Yeah. Uh, So they forgave that. Yes. But... In the middle of that, Spock went a third time. Well, the second time, making the other time the third time,
1: just to like, just to like detox from his bender in time and space.
0: Also, a crucial plot point of um, the Menagerie is that when Spock overrides the commands to take them to Talos IV in that episode, he like it starts a trial because it is the first time a Starfleet officer has committed mutiny.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Also, isn't so, there like an order where if you visit Talos Four, it's punishable by death? Isn't that a thing that, that they too, created? That too. Yes.
0: Uh, so this is now the second time that he and so this is now between this family that a combined double mutiny. As they I like that. I like the that place. the Starfleet
1: computer didn't warn Michael Burnham if she goes to Talos Four. She's culpable of like the worst thing you can do, and is going to be put to death.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. This lines up in so many ways. Like oh. Spock with the first mutineer. No, actually, his sister was the first mutineer. And now they're going to do his double mutiny again.
1: Star Trek is stupid.
0: <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> is very stupid. But anyway, that's the first plot. Uh, we'll talk about the um, like Spock stuff and the themes in a moment. But first, we have to talk about Star Trek Voyager.
1: Uh, so Burnham <laughs> leaves as there's like a... Above Kaminar, just inexplicably, a giant time vortex opens, and they're like, well, we need to investigate this. We're Starfleet. That's what we do. Uh, So they get close to it, and all of a sudden, there's like a weird time shift where they're seeing themselves from like five seconds ago. They're like, well, let's back up from that. We don't want anything to do with that. Uh, but then, uh, Detmer's like, well, we can't send a probe if we're this far out. And so Pike immediately is like, well, then I'm going to have to fly a shuttle out there. Obviously the captain has to get in the ship and go out there. Uh, Ash Tyler's like, sir, that's stupid. You can't just go out there. They have a big argument about it. Uh, Tyler pulls off his badge and, like, waves it in front of Pike's face like a child, and Pike's like, I'm still the captain, I don't care what color your badge is. Uh, <laughs> and these two just have a big pissing contest about who is the toughest dude in space uh, that is hilarious because they're, neither of them is the <laughs> toughest dude
0: in space. <laughs> they're both massive babies, you yes. absolutely like Harry Kim and Tom Paris having a fight here.
1: Uh, yes, but it's Christopher Pike yes. and then Ash Vok- Ty- Ash Tyler.
0: <laughs> and the Vok Ash Tyler g- combination, unique uh, individual. Yes, uh... So
1: they get in the shuttle, they go out there, and uh, they get sucked in the time vortex, which is a problem, uh, because they can't get out, and they detonate some charges and have a fight. Christopher Pike sees a vision of the future in which he shoots Ash Tyler, but in such a way as to offer plausible deniability that that's not actually what's going to happen, because I've seen too much Star Trek. Sorry, this doesn't play, if you've watched any television show ever.
0: <laughs> if you've read one book, if you've seen anything in your life...
1: um. Tilly's then tasked with figuring out what's going on and how they can retrieve them from the time vortex. She's like, well, this is like fourth dimensional jumbled space. I can't understand this. Uh, but I do know someone who can and goes to Stamets because Stamets can just understand time distortions and is immune to them because he has the tardigrade DNA. Um... Which, which implies implies very weird things about how DNA works, honestly.
0: One, it implies weird things about how DNA works, but I can I can assume that if he like can look at the space and interpret it differently. What it doesn't show is why he can look at the computer, which is the same sensors, and interpret those numbers differently.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. He just has an intuitive understanding of space-time that no one else does now. Uh, yeah. Even if he's looking at the exact same data.
0: I don't know. Yeah. it <laughs> You okay, can't ask too many questions. If he's looking directly with his eyes, yes, 100%. Makes sense. If he's looking at the computer screen, what's going on here? It's fine. But I, I said, Star Trek Voyager. The most Voyager-ass bullshit is happening on his website.
1: Uh, so while it, uh, he and Tilly are just science friends on the shuttle, the probe that they sent out comes back to them, but it has been massively upgraded and appears to be from 500 years in the future as it suddenly turns into the Matrix tentacle drones and attaches itself to them. Uh and starts like scanning all their files or whatever and they freak out and try to cut it off and uh tentacles wrap around ash tyler and then uh this is where pikes is like oh i won't go to shoot the tentacle this is what i saw in my thing we actually aren't fighting uh despite the fact they've been fighting for 20 minutes at this point (laughs) (laughs)
0: um so my question here yes uh, to you is what are those uh machines called in the matrix sentinels yeah (laughs) you did it
1: okay (laughs) um (laughs) yeah uh Anyway, uh, Stamets is like, oh, I know I, I know how to pilot them out, but I have to do it because they don't understand four-dimensional space-time. So, Tilly, you need to beam me onto the ship. She's like, I don't understand four-dimensional space-time. And he's like, I put the coordinates in. All you got to do is make the sliders go up. I'll get there. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Trust the math. And she's like, okay. And she does it, and it's fine because uh, this episode's almost over. Uh, he beams onto the ship. He pilots them out. Uh, gosh. uh he pilots them out of the, net, the the time distortion, but then beams them back on board Discovery by setting the coordinates because uh, they don't have fuel because they blew up all the fuel trying to signal Discovery. Uh... While this happens, like Ariam's trying to analyze what the probe is looking for, going through all their databanks, and then there's like a flash of three red dots that then reflect in her eyes because she's kind of a half robot person who can say, We're gonna get a plot about Arium to explain some of this, but it's gonna Hell be yeah. the dumbest plot on earth <laughs> <Hell> <laughs> because yeah. now she's been controlled by a future squid from five hundred years ago. Hell or yes. in the future. What are you uh,
0: talking about?
1: <laughs> uh it's, it's dumb. I, it might, it's, it'll might it probably be a fun episode. It's still very dumb. Uh, it's
0: incredibly stupid.
1: So they all beam aboard, and then uh, the whole thing that Pike and Ash Tyler were arguing about was Ash Tyler thought that Pike was being reckless, trying to go out on this mission, uh, doing the full Riker. He's like, sir, I have a beard now, and I think you're just going out there to reclaim some of the face you lost by not being involved with the war. And he's like, that's impossible. I'm just a steely-eyed missile man. I don't have emotions like that. And then the minute they beam back, he was like, you were right, Ash. You were right about everything. And then he's like, please get checked out, you've been stabbed by a space squid And Ash Tyler's like, on Konos, we wouldn't even bandage these wounds (laughs) And the two of them, like, grunt manly at each other and walk away friends
0: They are now friends This is the the classic Star Trek, uh, the two antagonists Well, antagonists is the wrong word The two um, people with a bad relationship go into the shuttle and come out BFFs this, this has happened time. to my count at least three other times. Can we work? So, um, how many times has happened? And what counts as it? Because the, the big ones are there's that uh, Reed trip one. Uh, on yes, Enterprise. the Reed trip one. Uh, there's the uh, Brian Bashir one, which is the first yes. time they're really together.
1: Picard Wesley.
0: Picard Wesley. Uh, yes. There's one that's basically this exact episode. It's only a portion of it, but Parallax and Voyager is just this. Uh, oh, who's on that one? Just Janeway and Balana. Oh, okay. As they fly right. into the. Time repeating thing. Oh and, uh, right, work yes, out, absolutely. Was their situation. Yep. Yes, um, that's the same. That's literally the same episode because it's time bullshit. Yes, uh, but this is a a popular uh, thing that they because you know you put the two characters in the bottle like it's it's a, an easy handy device.
1: Yes. Um...
0: But I was, I was happy to see this classic form emerge in, in Discovery. It's definitely, a d- like, I've seen people complaining that it's dumb and kind of not very good. Nah, yeah, I get it. But, you know.
1: Uh, I think it's dumb and extremely funny to, I just <laughs> yeah. want to watch these characters yeah. bounce off each other. That's all I really need. That's what I'm looking for. Star Trek's an ensemble show about encountering a space mystery, and then how do the characters get out of this one?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, like, sometimes think- it could
1: be about more than that, but at its core, that's what Star Trek's always about. The good Star Trek, the bad Star Trek, it's always about this. Yep.
0: Uh, and I was very into that, um... I'd like them to get a handle on Ash Tyler at some point this season.
1: They will absolutely not. I feel like he's <laughs> the most complicated character and no one knows how to write him. And I'm not sure that he could actually act if they did no, were able to write something even good even last him.
0: season, I'm like, I mean, Ash Tyler, in terms of acting, is not on the level of everyone else in this show. Um, but you invested in him because, you know, uh, Burnham loves him. Uh, and he's a half a Klingon man. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but the part where no one can write him because he's also the like fake man, but that's a real man who went fishing. Um, but he's also he a gruff fishing, war yes. man. But he's like there's no no one knows what's going on. At some point, they yes. have to pull the trigger on revealing why he's in Section Thirty One. Um, if they don't reveal that, then I will just believe that was the original intention and got dropped because I refuse to believe that wasn't the original plan. Yeah, um, I mean, like. This show, Discovery,
1: Season 1 opens with them going on to Discovery, seeing all the black badges, like, what does that mean? And the answer was nothing. No one ever brought it up again. Everyone forgot there were Section 31 agents on the ship when Section 31 starts showing up in the show.
0: It's, yeah it's really weird um there's a lot of that much
1: like much like the original series itself you can't hold discovery accountable for things discovery said <laughs> previous episodes
0: uh, unless they like really matter in which case yes they will be very big deals
1: unless they go a last time on discovery and tell you those <laughs> things
0: <laughs> the only things that are canon are things that make it into the recaps yes <laughs> that's good
1: yeah uh this episode was maybe the most season one discovery to me Just a lot of, like, maneuvering and, like, reveals of characters. You forgot the part where, at the end of the episode, Georgiou goes to Leland, and Leland's like, you let her escape. She's like, did you see the footage? She beat me up. And he's like, you're not fooling anyone. She's like, you're not fooling anyone. I'm in charge here. And if you don't mind your manners and be nice to me, I'm going to tell Burnham that you are the one who's responsible for the death of her parents. As if anyone
0: gives a shit.
1: Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Because, like, like, Burnham's going to be like, Sarek? Sarek? I talked
0: to him, like, two days ago. He's fine. <laughs> yeah like how do they? i wonder how that plot will go because like the ho- the thing you hope is she goes yeah and you're also just a fascist who i hate so it doesn't yeah change like oh you, you, the
1: you botched a mission on your stupid stupid space cia once
0: i don't care <laughs> i hated you before i hate you now leave me yeah. alone <laughs> you yep. Um, so i'll see but how that goes. but
1: absolutely leland's a person who's like oh this would re- reveal too much and betray my position i couldn't maneuver with these people anymore if they knew this horrible thing and all of them are like yeah we knew you're a shit you're fucking section 31
0: what i really like about this is how it ends up um betraying Section 31 and purely through leland we haven't seen that many other characters in section Thirty-One. yeah uh, but through leland and his like just sheer uh, like the amount he is outmatched by Giorgio, who is like an actual ruler of an actual fascist empire uh yes and you, we went to that world last time and we saw the way that that like society functioned the level of like just moment to moment fear and cowardice is like comes from being living that way uh yes and discovery like really into that and then 221 are meant to be that in the real world, but they're just children. They are children with their desk jobs doing the tough decisions, and there's, like, a real fascist here to be like, you're all cowards. Yeah, you're all this cowards. Is, this is
1: just me having fun right now.
0: Yeah, she's just toying with everyone. It's amazing. I can't believe people think that the um, Giorgio show will be, like, pro- fascism <laughs> if they no. ever get there, and not, like, this is what happens when a, like, cartoon evil emperor, uh, sits down at the job of like your desk job c i a bullshit, yes, um it's good i all the second Sending one stuff the season's been really good, yeah,
1: uh they suck. there's they like suck three so of much. those hollow ships scanning the asteroid field at the end,
0: yeah, and it does the empire Stripe back shot, <laughs>
1: yes, they have like three of them like there there's a whole they're a whole second star fleet of super ships, ah. Yep. <sighs>
0: we'll see. How- I'm god I'm so excited for the rest of the show. Last week really had me uh pulled off because of uh, how much I hate of the canon stuff. Um, yes. But n- now the, sh- the show's back to normal. It's fine. sarek has been ruined, but whatever. I'll find new characters to care about.
1: <laughs> Sarak he- been ruined? I don't know if Saric's been ruined. It's not
0: Saric, Saru. Oh, yes. As <laughs> I was say know- like Sarek's Sarek's fine. Having- like Saric absolutely <laughs> did the
1: thing that Saric would do.
0: No, I love Sarek. Uh still. Um but what if Sarek gets neck teeth? Well,
1: now that we've forgotten the part where Saru is a super predator and he's just Saru, but he's not touching his neck and being scared of everything, he's fine. He like he there's that scene where they're like, w- we've lost them. What do we do? And he like sashays up to the view screen, like into camera, and I'm like, hell yeah, Captain Saru
0: is here. Just leave him in the nebula. You don't need any of them. They suck. Just keep going. <laughs> I mean, I like I like that, but like it's stripped of all its coolness when the answer was his fear fell out of him because of plot reasons and not he's just that cool look i
1: can i can compartmentalize that as a thing that i don't have to think about and saru is just cool now
0: <laughs> i hope uh, one episode in like season four he remembers that one time he tried to kill everyone because he lost his fear
1: <laughs> it's uh, weird that one time my fear was really like losing my is really bad but since then i've been pretty chill <laughs> like i've got a date uh, i joined a jan- dance troupe it's good
0: yeah I, my, my whole quarter's not covered in plants now out of a, like this misguided sense of nostalgia for a planet that i had accidentally ruined
1: uh, now it's just covered in plants because he likes plants.
0: Now I just like plants. <laughs> you know, why won't Shaw talk to me?
1: He's like, "Can we turn on these science labs in an arboretum?" And Sam says, "Like, we had a whole arboretum. It grew fungus. We got rid of it." <laughs>
0: <laughs> they did get rid of it.
1: Yes. Uh, uh,
0: anyway, that's that plot. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you think of this book stuff?
1: Um. So I know you really like it. Uh, So I would like you to explain why you like it, and then I'm going to ruin it with a single sentence.
0: (laughs) Can you say the sentence first?
1: (laughs) Uh, In the argument with uh, Amanda and Sarek, I was like, wow, Amanda is just really leaned into being Autism Speaks Mom here.
0: Okay, yes, but I don't sympathize with her. Uh, No, like the
1: thing that they've constructed here is like too dodgy of a metaphor for me to like really love i think it's fine i don't I don't hate it uh but i look at him like what are you trying to say in a world where like tilly's already your character that's like neuroatypical and now amanda's like i had to protect spock because he had a special brain and i knew he would be better than all the other kids if only i gave him the extra attention that no one else would i'm like mm, this is walking into some territory
0: so it's walking some territory but the reason i like it is because um like in this show, Tilly is absolutely the like neurodivergent character that they like yes. focus on. But generally, uh, just in terms of the metaphors of being a human being in the uh, 20th century, um, Spock and then like Data and this like logic bent of Star Trek was often used in culture as like a shorthand for autism. Yeah, within... uh, yeah.
1: Like this is this is way better than data. This is way better than oh nine Spock having anger issues where he has to punch people.
0: <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't even mean the way of like Spock is a character that was. I mean, it kind of went the other way around in that Spock happened, and then everyone was like, oh, you know, like Spock when you don't have emotions, that's autism, or whatever. And the thing that this episode does that ended up resonating a lot with me because I feel like uh, as someone with autism, uh, it's just true uh, from from my experience at least is that the the, the problem is never that you the the emotions are the part that it's hard that's the part that's like hard and overwhelming and difficult and for them to um acknowledge that to frame spock that way and with like the things that spock goes on to achieve in the future just of just star trek uh Mm -hmm. that was a lot for me especially as like (laughs) this is going to go into a little bit more personal stuff but it is really funny how much spock's arc this season has lined up with my life in ways that are very strange um in that his whole thing is he was having like weird thoughts as a kid that suddenly came back as a, an adult and made him uh, go you know just have a, have a break and I've been like dealing with my own intrusive thoughts and OCD stuff recently that has been over, like just completely came back after six years of not thinking about it uh, and that was like you know it's it's been it's been very strange because it's not intended by the show but it's happened to line up with my life in a really weird way uh, that has made me very resonant and open to the directions they've gone with Spock um mm-hmm. i think leaning into the fact that it's not the fact that he's logical or the fact that um vulcans are all about numbers and decision making and rationality is like that's not the part that's hard it's always the part where you have to be a human being and learn how to love people and learn how to function because it's just too much sometimes uh it's not that you don't have any of that it's that it's uh, uh it yeah. there and it's a very difficult my process. my
1: thing is that that's always been spock's deal
0: yeah but they make it like real here
1: uh and i i think by doing so they muddy the waters too much i think um, the ways fair. in which amanda acts here is like questionable um
0: and like and right, the show is
1: not equipped to like interrogate those statements
0: right possibly i would like them to do it well because i think that her having um or spock having a dumb you know like mother who uh, who is doing that orders and speaks type stuff because she's basically 100 percent doing that i picked up on that in the show it's very funny it's similar to how i think about bashir's parents who are also doing Uh, this thing
1: yeah i mean bashir's parents are a different thing because they are portrayed as like like unintelligent characters doing a thing they don't understand
0: uh but i it's still a very like bashir's parents have a very um specific context to them they just feel oh sure like but like amanda
1: is portrayed in the show as like one of the smarter characters that is just a civilian like her thing is that she could stand up to any star trek character but she herself is a normal person uh in a way we don't normally see uh but then her story is i tried really hard to make sure that spock was normal by reading a book to him and giving him extra attention until the minute another kid showed up and then they never did that again and he got to watch sadly from the sidelines Like so did it to the uh, like my other child now
0: i think it portrays amanda in a really bad light
1: Yes, um, in a way that I don't think is like intended. Fair? Yeah, uh, intended and fair to like what her char- like what they're trying to say about this character, <laughs> I think they don't write that well.
0: Uh that's fair. Um I was just I just really like the Star spot. because like you're right it was always there, right? Like, you know, yep. the the Saric episode in the, the episode Saric in TNG is another version of this.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also think it's weird that, like, Amanda herself, like, talks to Sarek when he shows up like he doesn't know what emotions are, which is ridiculous.
0: She talks to him like he's the King Logical Vulcan.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's just not true. Like, that's not, one that's not true of Vulcans. We, like, any time you spend more than, like, five minutes with a Vulcan, you're like, no, these people are just full of emotions. They just we handle it very differently. Uh, and she talks to her husband like she's never had a conversation with him before.
0: Uh, I like the idea that i don't think when she says that, that that is meant to be portrayed by true of the show i like the idea that she thinks that that's true and he has to look at her and go how could you ever think that was true of me but yeah no that's
1: it. definitely true but i just think this makes amanda look bad like like all of these aspects like make amanda a less interesting character to me
0: mm-hmm. d- that's fair. D- d- uh
1: versus how she was portrayed before
0: i don't know i because th- i think like you're right but it's also in the context of her being the only one going don't hand my son over to the cops yes no the
1: part where she's right but all of the reasons around her like decision making are badly written is in like very frustrating
0: uh that's fair i like that like if it was just her being like no you must think for the rights of. i want i just want my weirdly mentally ill son to be normal in a normal society like that would be bad but she's not saying that she's saying that she wants him to not be in a cop hospital
1: Yes, um, and Sarek, uh, we we know what prisons look kind of look like in TOS. I feel like Sarek would not want Spock turned over to a human like medical facility slash like, prison, whatever those well, are well, called.
0: Sarek's like, logical thing is that if, if uh, he did nothing wrong, he'll just be released. They'll get the information from him, and then they'll release him. Uh, because clearly there's an explanation for this, and once it comes out, everything will be fine.
1: That um, isn't even true on Vulcan, Sarek.
0: <laughs> yes, that's never been true, Sarek. Uh.
1: Sarek is probably old enough to remember the, all the stuff that happened on Vulcan and Enterprise. That
0: that's the all that's of it. When single, T'Pol's still around.
1: Yeah. You could just go ask T'Pol what she should do or what you should do when it comes to prisons or governments, police officers.
0: Man, all that Vulcan stuff's so good.
1: Um yeah, that stuff is, uh, whatever. Uh, Spock's great. He looks like he's about 14.
0: <laughs> yes. I, I, they should have, I know they probably couldn't, but, uh, them having another new Spock is frustrating. If This was Zachary Quinto would be much better. Um, everyone's already mm. accepted him. As I the... think,
1: I think if it was Zachary Quinto, you couldn't do this plot because I don't think I'd buy Zachary Quinto as, like, someone who needs protecting in this way when he, sh- when, sh- like, Burnham shows up. uh uh-huh.
0: That makes sense. Because um, I'm like in
1: Zachary Quinto, he can like punch through walls, and he slapped a child. He can do whatever he wants.
0: <laughs> he did slap a child. I mean, whose side are you on? Uh, that's fair. I just meant that like adjusting to a new Spock is very strange.
1: Yes, I think I think him looking like I don't know him looking young like makes sense for what this story is. It doesn't work in any of the timeline situation stuff, but whatever. Like we can't worry too much about that. Um but the part where Burnham immediately is like, yeah, I'll just turn him over. I feel like Burnham's smarter than this also. There's a lot of characters. act. Burnham consistently, I think, just acts like a dummy in the show.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, this episode particularly feels like a lot of people, like pieces are moving. A lot of things mm-hmm. have to Because ha- they have to bring Spock back. They have to introduce all the stuff on the Enterprise, or the Enterprise the Discovery, every time. Uh, on the Discovery. Uh, and then they have to like get Spock out of 2nd 31 and get into Talos IV. There's so many parts moving and it's not done very, like... Um, eloquently, uh, like it was very clear that plot, uh, pieces moving, is the motivation for a lot of these decisions, right? Yes. Um, because that's what happens when you've got a big story plotted out, but also all your writers have been like, uh, you've had to completely rechange the writers room because your writers, your head writers were abusive, but now you've got a new head writer who doesn't really know the plans exactly, but just wants everyone to do their jobs without having a horrible time.
1: Yeah. Um. You saw that for season three, they're bringing on another person to, like, co-produce with Kurtzman, right?
0: Oh, so he's got a guy who actually knows what story is to do? Yeah,
1: they also, yes, it's a a lady that they hired. Yes! Yes.
0: Yes! Good. I'm glad that he, because he, in interviews, he was like, this was never meant to be my job, but they needed a boss. Like, and not in a bad, but they needed someone to be like, this is your job, and this is what we do here. That was what my role was, rather than, like, I have to be this person who fixes the story. Um, Yeah. So I'm glad that there's a new lead story person coming in next year to do that with him. Cuz mm-hmm. he's got he's got too many Star Trek shows on his plate. Yes. Um. Uh, that's cool. I hope all the stuff in season 2 ends up shaking out okay.
1: Yep. Um Let's see. Anything else I have to say about the Vulcan stuff? There's a bit where Amanda goes, if if he if Spock wasn't half human, all of these emotions would have driven him crazy, which is canonically not how Vulcans work. They literally have a bunch of emotions every couple years that almost drive them crazy, and then they fucking get over it.
0: Yep.
1: It's a whole culture about emotion, like having the most emotions that they just repress, and how weirdly unhealthy the boom and bust thing is. Uh, I feel like she should understand this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, if uh, because I was so like um, taken aback by them leaning into the uh, metaphors of what uh, Spock and Vulcan is, like represent in the ways it relates to my life, I wasn't focusing as much on what this does to Amanda's understanding of what Vulcan is. Yes, she lives there. She lives there. Um, uh,
1: that's um, a, that that's kind of dumb, but <laughs> that's dumb. uh I would watch uh, Landscapes of Vulcan forever. That is my other hot take here. Hell yeah. Uh, The, like, newly designed, like, Vulcan cities and the way in which the desert spaces look deserty but still have, like, biomes and diversity and stuff is really good. Like, it's raining in the desert, as it does in deserts.
0: I would... No one else would. I mean, a few Star Trek fans would, but I don't think it would be popular, but I would love a show on Vulcan.
1: Uh... I would love a book on Vulcan, I think. I don't know if a show on Vulcan would be... I don't think it would be... I think they would write it in such a way that it would end up deflating by just the realities of television.
0: Yeah, like, can you have a show where people just talk like Vulcans the whole time? And you'd have Uh, non-Vulcan characters, but, you know, it'd still be set on Vulcan.
1: Oh, the Admiral Forrest show.
0: I'd watch the shit out of that! (laughs) Yeah. Rest in peace.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think that's all the Vulcan stuff. That leads us to, uh, Christopher Pike apparently has a problem with people who used to be Klingons.
0: <laughs> yes, he, uh, but luckily there's only one of those, so only one yes. person has to deal with it.
1: Yep. Uh, Christopher Pike's weird, latent Klingon racism.
0: Uh, it's definitely strange.
1: Yep. Unreasonable.
0: This whole sub
1: subplot is ridiculous.
0: I mean, I feel like it's a, they're in a bit of a corner here, because they can't resolve it, because it all, it's also having to like work as a background for like Kirk's Klingon racism. Mm-hmm. Like They know that this society continuing to be Klingon racist for the next 40 years is just true.
1: Yeah, the thing is, Ash Tyler isn't Klingon. By all right. accounts, he's mostly just human. He just has like Vox stuff in him.
0: The Ash Tyler personality won. Like he's not yeah. actually a combination. He's just got Vox memories.
1: Yeah, and uh, like there's an. Im- I feel like they give the impression that he, uh, like has like a higher strength and stuff, like a Klingon would.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's literally Vox body. Yeah, um, but they spliced Ash in there, uh, and like because then they had to they you know Vox personality was emerging and then they stopped that process, um, mm-hmm. to save both of them. Yep.
1: Oh, uh, what else? The Red Angel's a tech suit. It's in the opening now as a beautiful tech suit, just uh concept art. Yep. Yeah, video game concept art made real. Literally, you could probably spend some money and get that in Warframe if you really wanted to.
0: It's it's weird. They have to you were just were talking last week about how they can't reveal who's in it. After this week, they have to reveal who's in it. But there has to be an answer there. There's a hundred percent an answer there. It's gonna be really stupid. Can't wait.
1: I just don't understand how you could answer it in a way that is not, like, either hilarious or boring.
0: <laughs> I mean, my assumption, and um, I don't know if this will be true, is that over the next few weeks they will, like, d- develop the reasons for whatever future stuff is happening to be interesting. Uh, at least mm. by their standards. I hope it'll be interesting for me. Uh, but, like, my assumption is the person in the Red edge is not, a, like, going to be a pull that matters. They will make that meaningful elsewhere.
1: I mean, I... I want it to be a ridiculous lore thing. I feel like the obvious answer is Spock, but it doesn't make sense for anything.
0: Yeah, no, there's no... I, I think it's going to be from the future, from whatever happened to, ended up happening to that probe, because they're clearly connected.
1: 500 years in the future. What does that even look like? Yep. Um, is, that, is that Enterprise J territory?
0: I think that might be Enterprise J territory. So that means we could see. have a Zindi crew member.
1: Oh, it's it's a uh, Zindi Aquatic shoved in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I thought you might accept me more if I looked like a human. But oh, if the helmet comes like... off and
1: it's just a reptile man, I will lose my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Please, they're gonna join the Federation. You no, know, not yet. No, it's five years. Uh, but dude, what what is what is that gonna look like? What is happening? Um, I. Floated. Which this is a thousand years, but I floated the curse prediction that it could tie into that um Calypso episode. Uh, the, the short, short track trek, yes. with the discovery a thousand years in the future, abandoned. And I'm like, there's a thing that they've planted of future stuff that is yeah. weird. And I don't necessarily yeah. think that means it's gonna tie in, but it's the only concrete lead there is because everything else is just ridiculous law speculation. What if it was the Shadow Man?
1: Yeah, I mean, also because we're us, and I've been primed the way I have, and literally the motion picture exists. It's impossible not to just think of Viger shit. Like, oh, yeah. what if this is the Borg? <laughs> but it's not going to be the Borg. They're not going to do that. This doesn't read like right, Borg no, stuff.
0: I should be a correction on that statement. The idea that. Um... You would be like, oh, because I'm who I am. And I always think of the motion picture. What if it was the Borg? That's not motion picture <laughs> stuff. Um,
1: when yes. I think of the feature thing, it always ends with the feature was a- augmented by past Borg.
0: Yes, but that's just everyone like having galaxy brain stuff. What if it's seven of nine, Jackson? If it's seven of nine, then I'm going to mark out. <laughs> Uh, she's doctor. traveling through
1: time to fight like the time traveling Borg that now have super squid sentinel probes and That's shit. The other
0: thing is like what possible threats could be. Like, it's clear that this is some kind of, if you will, temporal Cold War. As
1: uh, So the preview for next week uh just is evocative with questions along these lines.
0: <laughs> because I mean, I watched the first, like, ten seconds of it, and is like, I, uh, I've seen a future that one of many futures that could come to pass or something. Um, but it absolutely makes it seem that there is, like, multiple forces, because, you know, they're going to have to explain the red dots in Arium at some point, uh, which I assume yes. is a competing future force and not the red angel. Uh, so, th- this just is the second temporal code war. There's no other word for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, but- Arium just getting brainiac dots in her eyes and turning evil uh, cannot abide this as a thing. What-
0: I want the version of this where it was a normal person using the thing and they just go, ow! <laughs> they, they do, like, Bryce is using the, the uh, console and just gets some lights in his eyes, like, ow, what's that? Oh, good thing I can't be hacked. Yeah. But they got very uh, lucky that Aryan was using the, the console there. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh,. And then, like, Pike's like, oh, Ash Tyler's been telling me maybe we should think of the Red Angel's evil. Now there's a giant squid monster. I'm going to put those two things together. And they're an incursion force from the future. And I'm like, my dude, they're two separate one's a flying angel one is a squid person why would you go these are the same thing <laughs> they're
0: clearly both it's a it's a temporal cold the temporal cold war is in the books people know about
1: it the, i feel like the clearly the people of this century do not know about the temporal cold war uh kept it quiet section 31 everywhere temporal cold war didn't happen basically
0: <laughs> i guess so i guess did the Archie just cover that up he, i guess they could have prerogative to cover that up
1: yeah no one can know the future. No one can the know first... that there's going to be the Enterprise J the first... while they're b- building the Enterprise. No name, no letter.
0: I know we've done this now three weeks in a while, but it's wild that the first Federation president knew about the temporal cold war and the entire future, and was like in a library looking at titles of books that he had to like put the Romulan one back on the shelf.
1: <laughs> yes, God. <laughs>
0: Star what we're Trek saying is Enterprise yeah. is maybe the best Star Trek show. Uh, it's the one we talk about the most, and so that's our only metric that really matters. It is the
1: it is the Revenge of the Sith of Star Trek, 100%. Oh, it
0: absolutely is. The younglings do not survive in um. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trip's sister invented a city. She never got to eat whatever that thing she was... Eating it in her weird flowery dress at the table
1: Yeah I'm from Orlando and I say kill them all
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no Space 911 happened It's time to get into the red It's her, it's her, she's in the red angel suit (laughs) (laughs) That would be very confusing
1: One, I don't think I would know Who that is for a long time Until someone was like Oh she is the sister of the engineer Of the original NX-101 Enterprise
0: uh, it's Trip. This is why he is in the history books as dying. <laughs> uh, my <laughs> I, another
1: question that is totally besides all of this. Christopher yeah, Pike hears this. Oh, the other Enterprise. Um, why, given the fact that Starfleet just makes Enterprises every time another one gets blown up, was there like a hundred year gap where there was no Enterprise?
0: Um, I mean this this is the first time they made a new Enterprise. You know if that makes sense to me.
1: Hmm. But then after that, never not going to go that Enterprise.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, there was a big gap after they cancelled Family Guy between bringing it back. Because
1: because they're like, because the, I know that the, like, lore explanation is this Enterprise did so much that it was important to the history of the world. The other Enterprise was captained by the first president of the Federation. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get more important than that. Jim Kirk take a hike compared to Jonathan Archer. Uh,
0: I mean, my guess is that the, the, the Enterprise, uh, you know, the TOS Enterprise was created in honor of Archer as he was, like, dying, right? Because that is just a... That lines up correctly, because they well, had no, to have him die the, I, at, the, yeah. at the, like, I, you know... But also, we it. know
1: for a fact that it takes, like, 20 years to build a starship, so... In actuality, they just decided to build it, like, when he got elected as President of the Federation. Is this
0: his presidential library? <laughs> is this the Starship Enterprise? <laughs> starship Enterprise, Captain Archer's presidential library... <laughs>
1: So in TNG, when like there's that one episode right near the end where the computer gets sentient, and the actuality is that it's Jonathan Archer's memories, but just set to have a female voice. Yes. Good. If you flip it to the male setting for the computer, it just sounds like stuff so
0: <laughs> that's the thing that they've never that's gonna be a big twist one day. <laughs> they turn on the male Siri voice.
1: God. And he's just like
0: polarize the whole plating.
1: <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, I think we're done with this episode. We've <laughs> definitely gone astray here. Unless you have anything else.
0: Uh, what if Captain Pike has to do a 9 torture? Uh,
1: it is amazing. And some people are, like, very disgusted at how could you make her so cool. How cool Philippa George is in this
0: show. She's so cool. I mean, like, I, I think there is something to be said about the way her cool- Like, you know, I said earlier, her coolness exists to reveal- and to be contrasted against how boring and incompetent the, like, desk job fascism of Section 31 is.
1: Yes. Uh, also, being the Empire uh, emperor of, like, all of evil space is inherently going to be cooler than being Michael Burnham, the, like, second officer of the Discovery. Uh,
0: and the way that JoJo toys with Burnham constantly is so funny. It's yes. so good. <laughs>
1: Yes. it's. I love it. Those Remember two. Remember
0: when people were really sad that she was, like, advertising them she wasn't going to be on the show because she got killed off? This is so much better.
1: <laughs> this is so much better. I don't want fake Picard Georgiou. I need evil Kung Fu Georgiou in the
0: world. <laughs> She's so evil. She's having... She could beat up Burnham any time, but she actually thinks it's way funnier to have Burnham beat her up.
1: <laughs> yep. That bit where she fires at her as they're yes. getting into the shuttle, <laughs> and was like, What? And she just like shrugs.
0: <laughs> yeah, mate, she's she,
1: so cool. She, she literally does like the Han Solo shrug. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh,
0: Star Trek can't really do cool villains ever. Uh, so I think people should just be very happy with what they have here. <laughs> Yeah, this never happened
1: before. Like Khan was interesting, uh but he's barely in it and now we have like an actual recurring villain that is good uh and has like good motivations as she bounces around the characters uh that we know and like and support and it's great. Like yes, she's probably a little too cool for the things she represents as she was eating kelpians. Um but you know, they're super predators. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right! Shit, I guess. <laughs> no, because they were like, oh, the threat ganglia are so tasty that no, we have to end this podcast because there's a whole. In the, mir-
1: in the Mirror universe, the Baul
0: never got technology and the Kelpians
1: are just a menace in the galaxy.
0: God, they just croaked them and ate them! <laughs>
1: yeah, oh. instead of the Genophage, what if we just ate them?
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find <laughs> We'll be back podcasts. next week
1: where we go to Talos 4 and all of this is not answered. <laughs> tell us
0: when we go to Talos 4 and we sure get the big, veiny, big head brains. Yeah, uh,
1: a whole lot of other features. stupid shit is going to happen instead. So I hope you've liked what we've got for you. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> this is just how it is. You've got to accept what Star Trek is. We know uh, what it is and it's dumb as hell. Uh, until next week, we will see you out there.